IDC Radio. Hello, I'm Bar Ruven. I'm the co-founder of the CAT 669 Alumni Association and the Executive Vice President of Development for the American Friends of Unit 669, aka AFU 669. In addition to my work, I'm an entrepreneur. I sold my first startup called Mishlochov a few years ago, and I'm now the co-founder and CEO of Disher. And I'm Dr. Jonathan Pfeffer. I'm an innovation and mentoring expert. I consult U.S. and Israeli startups and multinationals on innovation strategy and on creating and maintaining a culture of innovation, which is also the focus of my PhD. I'm a mentor and judge at Harvard's Innovation Lab and a mentoring supervisor at the CAT 669 Alumni Association, among others. Lastly, I also teach innovation management here at the IDC, Interdisciplinary Center in Herzliya, which is graciously hosting us from their radio channel studios. Our guest today served as a combat rescue soldier at the unit. He served as a lone soldier. He is a board member at the American Friends of Unit 669 and a marketing expert and entrepreneur. He founded and brought his last company, Atlantic Ostbrand, to $1 billion revenue, serving more than 10 million customers worldwide. This year, he founded another company that is expected to be even bigger. Tom Shipley, welcome and thank you for joining us today. So oh, it's really great to be here and I'm really great to connect with both of you. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. So um, let's begin from uh, the beginning. Can you just uh, introduce yourself more than what we already said? No, oh, absolutely. So um, and it's great to talk to everyone today. So uh, Tom Shipley, I live right now in Austin, Texas. And uh, just going back in, in quick history is I was in uh, um, uh, uh, 713 with, uh, with the unit with, with 669. Uh, since then, I have been a serial entrepreneur creating a number of businesses. My focus has been in e-commerce over the last 21 years. All through my companies, we've done acquisition along the way. Most of the brands we developed were from scratch. We developed everything from the products, the marketing, manufacturing, to everything turnkey and sold over $2 billion of, of, of various products. Oh, wow. um, and right now we, we're, we're on the verge of, we've, we've launched over last year our newest venture, which I expect to be our biggest. Wow. Good, good. Good luck with that. I want to talk a little bit about yourself. Um, what is your um, family status? Uh, again, just you asked to know you better. <laughs> what was your role in the unit? Okay, so um, yeah, and that's what centers my life, and it is one of my biggest whys are my family. Mm. And so I'm very lucky to have been married for 33 years and with my wife for 35 years, Pam. And I have two daughters. Uh, Danny is in uh, law school in New York City, and my oldest daughter, Ayelet, is um, also... Um, she started as a mental health counselor, as a therapist, and she's transitioned also to be an entrepreneur. So I guess this thing runs in the family. <laughs> yeah, 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 wow. Amazing. Yeah. Tell us, Tom, um, one of the things we like to hear from, uh, from our um, guests in the podcast is because of the connection to the unit, um, is, is to see if there were any um, values, principles, enduring experiences that kind of uh, followed you through your post-IDF uh, life, your entrepreneurial journey, and maybe even your, you know, maybe even your family life, certain principles that you live by that you can maybe trace back to the unit? Yeah, it's a great question. I'm going to say the core of everything that made me a successful entrepreneur and the core of values and principles I learned in 669 um, as a mm -hmm. combat soldier. 
And uh, I mean, if we want to start with this, look at the probability of being a successful entrepreneur and run and building successful businesses. The amount of businesses that majority of businesses will fail in the first year. Majority of businesses will never hit a million dollars in sales. There is a small percentage of business that will actually last five years and achieve over $10 million. Hmm. And the probability that uh, the business will last for over a decade and over $100 million, we're talking about 0.00%. Okay, so if you're an entrepreneur and you're starting, as you're mostly going, you're, the odds are you're going to fail. If you think about the course of where you are in your journey to be in Unit 669, it starts with this, I'm going to say, the same level of odds. You know, you right. look at the Army right now, 170,000 um, uh, soldiers in the mm -hmm. Army. I believe there are 60,000 combat soldiers. You know, if you look at Special Forces in, in our unit, how many people try out to get into 669? Is it 10,000 yeah, that desire 10, 000, to, yeah. 10, desire to get in? They filter that out. Ultimately, they pick, I don't know what it was in my day. It was uh, it was 1,000 people for the G. Bush, two different 500 units. Out of that, in my day, there were... 25 of us, they picked for an 18 for the 18-month training. At the end of 18 months, there were 13 of us. Oh. So it's that same probability you're facing in the unit, and you have to accept it. Mm -hmm. And you have to say that I'm not going to be the probability that's going to fail. I'm going to be probably it's going to succeed. One of the big turning points in my life was that I'm going to say that I'm not an athlete. Yeah, I, I ran cross country, but I'm not a natural athlete. I'm not the strongest person you're, go you're going to find. And so the concept, as my dad said, I, dad, dad, I'm moving to Israel and joining the Army. He said, you're what? I said, I'm joining the Army. You're going to be in a combat unit. He said, understand, Tom, if you go to the Army, he said, you don't know the language. You don't have the background. You're 20 years old now. If you go to the Army, you're going to end up pushing paper and being a bureaucrat, and that's the last thing you tell a 20-year-old. Hmm. So. Coming, moving to Israel as a lechadash, I had no family in Israel, no relatives, and starting from starting from scratch with this yeah. one key focus of where I want to go, I learned about the unit and I had this single focus. But the key thing that I learned in business, and in life, and in family, and I learned in the unit that became that it manifested is, you set your eyes on a goal, yeah. you envision yourself in that position in that situation. And you keep focusing, develop a plan, and nothing gets you off that course. So I saw myself being in the unit. Hmm. I saw myself being in it and serving it. I didn't care about the obstacles. And I trained hard before, before the Gibush, but still, it never crossed my mind to ever quit. No matter how tired I was, how exhausted, hmm. I never quit. I had my focus because I had that clear mental clarity. I'd, I'd love to ask you about that for a second. Because you sure. mentioned the obstacles and seeing, you know, to the like always looking at the at the the north star, at the vision, and imagining yourself mm -hmm. and going through, you know, mm -hmm. um, breaking uh, through those obstacles. But but I know there are also internal obstacles, and I remember somewhere you wrote that one of the major things for you is the ability to shift your paradigm. So like these internal blocks. Can you talk about that a little bit as well? We all, you know, as we grow up, we all have shit that happens to us. And there's creates negative stories in our mind. Mm -hmm. And the question is, is can you rewire your mind and your brain to think differently, to look at opportunities differently, to look at challenges differently, and basically be that person that can accomplish. And when you start off your course and when you start a business, you have no ability. You will not be the person that consistently builds and runs that business.
However, along the journey, you became that person. When you start the journey to get into the unit, there is no way you're on, that you have the capability to be a successful um, uh, soldier in the unit. However, along the journey and along the path, you become that person. You become that lochem. You become that special force. You be actually become that special force member and that team member. And that's, and that's the same thing. But part of it is getting changing your paradigms and changing the stories and rewriting the stories in your head. And one of the most powerful things that happened to me that, again, I cling on to now, and I go back to that to anchor me, and I mm -hmm. said, okay, look at what I, look at what I, uh, what I accomplished and how I did that by creating that North Star, by creating that vision, and nothing could stop me. And, 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 and how do I anchor that into the next business that seems this next opportunity that seems insurmountable? Mm -hmm. Same thing. It's that vision. It starts with that clarity. Okay. Amazing. Um, yeah. You know what? So let me ask you then, since then, um, you know, it's been a few years, you know, one or two years since you served in the, in the IDF. <laughs> how is your, um, how is your connection to the unit um, evolved over, you know, that period of time? Well, there's, two different levels connection there's the members of of of, of my unit uh, that i serve with and then there's the uh then there's the uh the the this the overall afu 669 the american friends of the unit 669. Mm -hmm. so let's start with the guys of my unit unfortunately when i got out of the army and i came back to the states to there wasn't facebook there wasn't email so i lost touch with with my unit which they're, they're the most mm -hmm. incredible warm passionate, strong group of men that I've ever met. Wow. And so I lost connection with them. And I remember I was in, uh, I, we moved from Orlando, Florida to Tenafly, New Jersey. And I was uh, in a restaurant there, outdoors, early cafe. And there was some guy and his kids were running around the table and he was, you know, bald and I didn't recognize him. And I'm talking to my family and my girls. And then he looks up at me and says, Tomas, and the only person in the world that ever called me, Thomas, is during my army service, okay? And he smiled at me. I said, oh, shit, I went over and gave you a big hug, okay? And, it, again, it had been a number of years, and it was incredible in, of all places, Tenafly, New Jersey. And that started the contact back to my unit. And Amazing. a few years later, I brought I brought my girls and, and my wife. We were in Israel, and and, uh, and Eris Harari, one of the guys in my unit, said, let's get a few people over to my house for barbecue. And it was amazing Everyone, you know, surprised me, and everyone came throughout the country, the country for the barbecue. And my this whole thing about serving in six six nine is very abstract for girls that were raised in America. And even though they've been to Israel and they have this passion, it was very abstract. But yeah. sitting around in the dark in that barbecue in the back of the restaurant with all the guys and the stories, my daughter turns by the daughter. She said, "I feel like I'm in an episode of Fauda because it's <laughs> just this connection, <laughs> this connection that the team has." Mm -hmm. um that that was that was that was um, amazing and uh, let me just you know, get a little bit crazy off the subject one of the most moving parts of the night was that um Erez went inside and grabbed a broken down i don't know bugle from his house and then uh boaz Livni comes out um with 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 a package and and, and said uh tom on the half on behalf of these and Ellen hebrew of course mm -hmm. and on behalf of the israeli air force uh, we want to present to you this to you, and he said, "I picked this up when we had our tekkes, our our our, our, our exit Certainly. ceremony, 
um, and I picked this up, and I've been holding it for wow. 33 years. Oh, amazing. 35 years. Wow. Amazing. And he gave me, yeah, so he gave me, the, you know, the the medal that they give you when you when you leave the Army and the wow. decals. So it was just, it was just a, it was just amazing moving. So I love my, I love my guys in the WhatsApp group. And even though it's still painful for me for me to read the Hebrew every day, <laughs> but still, it's the, the, the unit is great. You, you yeah, mentioned... I, I, I need Shovert the Shinayim, the Shovert and I, and you know, break my teeth and my ears with Hebrew. So. You, you mentioned <laughs> your your daughters in this meeting. Would you recommend them to go to serve in the RDF as well, or or no? Okay, for when well, my girls went for, I think they were in high school and they went for. Um, uh, um, for March of the Living, you know, March of the Living. So it was mm. part of, you know, in, they went to Poland, the camps, and they came back and were in Israel. And when I picked them both off the plane, they both said, Abba, um, we, went to, uh, we went to serve in the Israeli army. And I had such a feeling, uh, by the way, that lasted for 24 hours, but I had a <laughs> feeling of pride and hope that I had was significant. So the answer is absolutely. <laughs> okay. Tell me, you know, when you're mentioning the... Um Um, the unit and and the men in the unit and uh, you know your comrades uh, and and that strong connection you know um, going back several decades um, do you think the fact that you were a lone soldier um, um, you know strengthened that bond um, or is it just you know is it just something that everyone in 669 has regardless or something that experience for you was different being you know As like your father said, you don't speak the language, you're brand new, you're coming from a different culture, all, all alone. I'm going to say that my actually being held, held with that made it a little more difficult because mm. there weren't, you know, from culture and young guys, you're, you know, they're 18 years old. There's not as much of that linkage that you have and the mm. humor is not the same. So I can say it made it a little more, uh, a little more difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, it is difficult. It is just the connection because relationships are built through experiences, through shared right. experiences. And you're talking about among the most difficult experiences you'll go through in your life. So those relationships and us going through that for all the years that we did is those relationships create those unbreakable bonds and those relationships. But I want to, to expand this question, Tom, um, about how was it to, to serve as a lone soldier back then and, and uh, back then we didn't have the organization to take care of the lone soldiers. So... Mm-hmm. How was it? Um, Now, um, so, yeah, so it was, it, I, I smiled because I remember that um, every day it would be the same thing as I'd wake up and it would be one of my, one of my roommates in the unit would turn to me as during the weather within the tent or whether wherever we were, where we were in, in basic training in or Hamam or with the, with the, Sayed Sampanim with the, uh, Uh, paratrooper commandos and then after that it was in the unit and every day it would be the same thing someone in my unit would turn to me and say Thomas we know why we're here why are you here and it was the same thing every morning so but in in, in, in general it was more difficult because the the support organizations were there people didn't understand what you were do, what you were doing and why you're in the army you didn't have a lot of the same benefits and That you have mm-hmm. and it was viewed at in a different way well internally there might have been respect for what you're doing it was more viewed as craziness because it mm-hmm. just was not done that much um, mm-hmm. back then so and that's why I love the community and the support that's been built for lone soldiers now good good amazing amazing we, amazing. we have a good role um, an important role in this uh, yeah. system I want I want take all of us and the listeners to the journey 
after the IDF experience and after the IDF journey. And um, you mentioned somewhere that your, your success or the key to your success over the past decades as an entrepreneur was uh, staying focused on building brand equity, serving your customers, and consistently pivoting marketing to the most efficient channels. And I wonder if you can take us briefly to the key uh, ingredients behind that. What do you need to be yeah. able to consistently focus on brand equity, consumer, and marketing, the most efficient marketing channels? Um, okay, we'll do a quick pivot. <laughs> we'll do a pivot into business and my philosophies on business, okay? Let's start with this. I'm always looking. We used to call them um, um, white spaces, but I call them um, blue ocean opportunities. Mm-hmm. And I have a little pivot on that, which is you're always looking for uh, what's between blue ocean and red ocean. A red ocean is... Where you let's say you want to get in the toilet paper business, mm-hmm. but if you think about it, is the toilet paper business is extremely competitive. How do you get shelf space manufacturing was cutting your prices, mm-hmm. and how do you win in that with people that have been there forever that have all the strategic advantages? I call that the red ocean. It's where the sharks are and the blood is in the water, and there's just a lot of competition. The blue ocean is beyond that where you don't have competition. And if you think about new things, you're always looking for um, the blue ocean. That's a classic blue ocean strategy. I consider I want somewhere in between. I want somewhere where there's a large customer base that wants something in a red ocean, but I can pull them into a blue ocean opportunity. Mm. Now, let me give an example. Let me give that an example of that to make it real specific. Um, we were looking uh, 15 years ago, I got into the beauty industry. Okay. And using the same playbooks and models that I always have, and but just trying to transform and challenge the paradigms in the beauty industry by using direct to consumer marketing and e commerce. Mm-hmm. So uh, the you know the the we always looking for what are the really great opportunities. Now one market that's always been fairly big is mm-hmm. hair loss, mm-hmm. and again it's it, that's red ocean. There's a lot of competition. Johnson or Rogaine owns that marketplace, but where we saw there was a pivot is women's hair regrowth no one was doing hmm. and there were people that had single items for it but no one really focused on that uh, by the way and i'm I went, sorry to interrupt you you're research, talking yeah. about 2005 or b- before when? when when are you talking about just so this this would be so this opportunity this was 2010. Hmm. Oh, okay. we started researching this in 2008-2009 women's hair lost and said okay no one is dominating no one's doing anything in it so what i we we looked at the research one of every three women suffers from hair loss And therefore, Amazing. it is a massive, what I consider, red ocean from a population of needs. And people, women are going to Rogaine and some unisex brands because there's no other options. Mm-hmm. But here we are by creating a new vehicle with the first clinically proven system. That's actually with, with, with clinicals behind it. And we made it only for women and did the branding around women. And we mm-hmm. can focus on our customers saying this is better than anyone else because it's about focus. Mm-hmm. We said we can win here. And that's exactly what happened. Is, and that's my example of. Red ocean, a lot of competition, but we created this new vehicle and this new opportunity in this blue ocean and pulled all the women for the red ocean that were just lost into this blue ocean where we owned it. And once you're a market leader, if you do a great job and you're obsessed with your customers and taking your customers, it's tougher and you, and, and you, and you know how to run a business. It's the, it's the key. Um, it's one of the keys to success, and that's the it. So I start with, What is, the, what is the problem that I'm solving? What is the mm-hmm. blue ocean opportunity? Is there a strong enough marketplace that I can scale this opportunity to where we want, we want to get to? Then what is the strategy? Then again, just like in the Army, you always want to have a plan and a strategy and flawless execution. Well, 
I'm going to say, <laughs> and consistent execution. <laughs> There's no thing as flawless execution. Mm-hmm. Perfect is the enemy of the good. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I prefer massive and perfect action, massive and perfect action, mm-hmm. to per- small, slow, deliver perfect action. But mm-hmm. as you know, as we're going on that, is is I've been using direct consumer marketing, which is a combination of analytics strategy using platforms, third-party platforms, in order for you to market. But really, and then there's the art and the creativity, but it has mm-hmm. to start with a great product, a great offer, and a great marketing story. Okay. And then, you know, what we always look for is, as you said, underpriced attention, mm-hmm. for example. And, th- and everything changes. You know that in the world as far as the media. And I'll just give some examples. Uh, in tooth, you know, with our first brand, Hydroxetone, first year we had this vision of – taking of challenging the beauty industry and saying we have better mousetrap and it took us a year to get to a million it took mm-hmm. us two years to get to 35 million the third year we did over 100 million in revenue mm-hmm. on that brand and again it's following a certain it's just basic following um following a playbook on that but at one time hydroxytone we were the which is skincare brand um we were the third largest uh short form radio advertiser in the united states you know the 30 and 60 second spot Wow. Um, fast forward five years after that, we stopped doing radio advertising because it wasn't efficient. So, so, At one time, we were the 13th largest short-form TV advertising in the United States. So yeah. you talked about the analytics and so and, and about mo- pivoting the the marketing channel um, based on your you know based on the consumer and where where they're at. And so I, I'm curious, is it just a number games in a sense, seeing okay, there's less attention or less. Uh, Um, if, you know, radio um, uh, short spots are less efficient than they used to and finding mm-hmm. another? Or mm-hmm. is it also kind of understanding why, right? So like going back to your, the consumer mind space and understanding why are they not listening in the radio? Where are they listening now? Well, let me put it this way. Is I view that um, most things in business is uh, uh, meritocracy. Is what you want to build you want to build uh, you want to have philosophies that the, that the winners win and put your efforts on the winner mm-hmm. it, it's that way I believe with employees you create a great environment give the, give them the tools they thrive but basically your winners are your winners that drive your business mm-hmm. you you and what we, that's we can talk about that later but we can uh, from a um, uh, a media perspective I never rely on one media channel I always uh, view um, I'm always testing new media channels and playing one against the other and we always investing our dollars where we get the greatest return now obviously mm-hmm. if you're putting the majority of your spend in, a, in more of a channel from media you're also putting more resources in creative and testing and you have more luxury doing a lot of testing mm-hmm. but you can never rely on something that's going to last forever because it never does mm-hmm. and therefore you always have to be testing new media your consumers will be always be Exactly that consuming media they'll always be watching they'll always be um, in, interactive and being entertained with something but the vehicles are going to change I mean you know I'm going to say that we we've been living through the honeymoon of Facebook now for mm-hmm. about five or six years mm-hmm. well that honeymoon starts you know uh, drastically shifted this year drastically mm-hmm. that's why we went heavy into YouTube and we're tested we tested into TikTok and again because you You always want to have your you know uh, you're testing in other platforms and other rely because things will yeah. shift yeah can you wh- right. why this is the the perfect timing to move I mean again besides your your previous company or role but now why now is the best time to found foundry your new company 
Okay, so um, it was we we knew we were going to sell the business, and it was the beginning of, and then uh, COVID hit and put those plans on hold. But I knew that by the, before the end of the before twelve months, the market was going to come back, and the capital markets were going to be there, and we we're going to sell Atlantic Coast brands. So the question was: Is what do I want to be spending the next period of my life doing? What can what is what is paradigm shifting? What can I challenge? What can we do a better job? What problem out there is to be solved? that I uniquely want to solve because that's an entrepreneurial's dilemma and challenge and our curse. Hmm. We love to solve other people's problems. <laughs> okay? it's, it's, we, see not, we, see it's, we see a problem, we have to change this. So what, what in the world has just shifted because of COVID and what opportunity is out there? What is the first order, second order, and third order impacts from this? And so at first, and what do I love to do? Well, I love, I've been in, you know, I've been building up my skill set in in consumer marketing and in brand building and in, in in digital marketing for 21 years. So what can I do based on those skill sets? So I'm not starting starting from scratch. And then what do I love? Well, I love scaling businesses. I love doing rollups. And I focused on econ at first, and then I said, oh well, Amazon's always an incredible business model because Amazon does a lot of the heavy lifting for you. Yeah. So. It's an incredible. Jeff Bezos has done an incredible place with marketplace and all the ecosystems that he built. But the challenge is there was no. Um, uh, the capital markets were uh, were very concerned about the levers that Amazon had and were not. Is very tough to get investment dollars behind them. Mm-hmm. And then I discovered there was one of the first big aggregators that was 18 months old that was rolling up small Amazon businesses and just had got. They had rolled up, I think, at that time, 40 businesses, and they had a, a 700 million valuation and funded with some serious equity uh, uh, debt and equity behind them. And I went, the world just changed. That just broke the glass ceiling. Mm-hmm. They are the Netscapes to what, what what Google would become as far as from a search perspective. Mm-hmm. They just broke the glass ceiling as for access to capital. I said, okay, the race is on now. So I, and that was really it. Is the clear business model is I want to build build. Let's talk about long range. What is the vision that I can't get away from is there's an opportunity to build the next generation consumer product company, CPG company, L'Oreal, Johnson & Johnson, Procter & Gamble, um, Church & Dwight. The challenge with those business models is they are so tied into retail brick and mortar industries. And they're so locked into it. Their systems, their analytics, their pricing, their merchandising strategy, the way they train their team, they can't get away from it. Well, imagine if we're a, we're a consumer product good company that has a large number of brands, but we're focused on digital. We're nimble, we're analytical, and therefore that's our paradigm. Yes, we'll sell to retailers, but that's not what drives us. What drives us is our direct connections to our consumers, and it's using third-party marketplaces. So that's the long-term vision is to build the leading omni-digital um, consumer product good company, CPG company, yeah. and that's really the vision. And the opportunity is, is well, let's start with Amazon businesses, but we're really we're, we're brand agnostic as far as what the channels are. Mm-hmm. And w- the brand we bought uh, mm-hmm. just a month ago was 50% uh, uh, 50% Amazon, 50% um, 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 e-commerce. And if we if we look at it, is it's just a basic math thing. You know, look how many uh, on Amazon there are 30,000 businesses that are doing between one to 10 million dollars of revenue. Okay. Thirty thousand of them. These are mostly started by small, you know, small entrepreneurs, mom and pop. And what we have the ability to do is we're able to create great liquidity for them and create exits for them, mm-hmm. and make their dream come through. And hopefully they'll stay on. And hopefully we can partner with them for their next ventures. And we become this incubator in itself. 
but ultimately we're going to own the brands. We're going to run the brands. If the entrepreneur wants to join the company, mm-hmm. join Foundry, great. If not, and it's just a math game is as far as how we get to a billion dollars in revenue by just increasing the pace of acquisitions. And we have to be great at acquiring, mm-hmm. integrating, developing the culture, and technology has to be king. And one of my partners in our business was the um, original architect behind the mark- Amazon Marketplace and Seller Central. It is where we all go to Amazon and we buy our goods, mm-hmm. the technology behind there. So he is one of my partners in the business, and he's building our technology, identifying where we're integrating with existing technology, building our own proprietary, whether it's automation, machine learning, and in um, certain cases where it makes sense, artificial intelligence. Amazing. You know, um, for our last question, um, you know, we like to close every uh, interview um, with a look into the past. I know you talked about legacy and, you know, envisioning the, you know, your future vision, but I'd like us to kind of turn back our gaze into the past and, and, and ask you that if you were to now suddenly magically travel back in time and meet your younger self, you know, just fresh out of the IDF, what advice would you give uh, young Tom Shipley? Um, other than what I've shared with, I guess that's a, a podcast into its own, but I'll try to give you a few different ideas here in addition to what I was already shared is one thing is about courage. Hmm. You know, um, have, it, it takes courage to live your life with the values and integrity and going after the big opportunities that, that you want to. And, To constantly have the courage, but then to have the discipline and focus and tenacity. It's one thing we learn in the unit is mm-hmm. what you have to survive is, is the tenacity. Mm-hmm. It's that relentless tenacity, and that tenacity and courage is what's going to be key. The other thing that you probably heard, which is why I love what the work that the friends of, 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 of the American Friends of, of, of 669 and the CAT Association is doing, is your network is your net worth. Mm-hmm. And therefore, you constantly want to... surround two different levels one is you want to surround yourself with people with positive people that give you energy that bring out the best version of yourself and they mm-hmm. constantly challenge you and that's on a friendship and people and relationship level and if you have that those people in your life that aren't doing that you have to ask the question is is this is this going to add into your life or taken away because we have one shot in life mm-hmm. and then from a mentor perspective is you want to surround yourself with And developing a small network of mentors people that you can reach out to and help and guide you let them use their experience of all the mistakes they meant they made mm-hmm. and don't have the ego that you need to feel figure it out on mm-hmm. your own because that's just stupid there's no reason is mm-hmm. there's so much of information is available for free online there's course of the programs but the best thing if you can develop mentors that mm-hmm. you can rely on and therefore you're not going through this journey alone it's huge which is so big what the uh, Uh, what the cat association um, is, is doing and then um, and then the, the final thing I just shared you something my dad taught me as a kid and it was it was you know if you think about there's certain bumper stickers I call them bumper stickers or slogans you heard it mm-hmm. when you were younger growing up that's still in your mind now mm-hmm. is that my dad gave me a poster from Nike it said there is no finish line Hmm. But that concept that there is no, there is no finish line is it is that there's no one th- it's this life is this incredible thing you know if we're lucky we'll be in the search for for 80 90 100 years the first person who's going to live to 200 they say have already been born 
And so we have this long life. So play the long game on this and just enjoy the journey. Enjoy the process. Yeah, every not every moment moment's going to be good. Some moments are going to suck as an entrepreneur. You bet. You know, embrace embrace the suck because it it happens. But it's never as bad as you think it is. And it's never as great as you think it is. Life is somewhere in between. And just enjoy the journey and understand, just take the long-term view. Um, wow. wow, great, great. Thank you, Tom, for the Good closure. For, for this <laughs> advice and for sharing right. with us the, you know, your own personal epic novel. Uh, we want to wish you great <laughs> success, Tom, with the new company. And uh, thank you again for everything you do for the unit. And for the organization, for the American Friends of Unit 669, it's really a pleasure uh, for myself to work with you directly. Uh, so please uh, keep up with your uh, great work. And um, I want to thank the IDC International Radio in Italy for hosting us. And uh, thank you for uh, joining us as well, Jonathan. And uh, Tom, I think that we need to, to have another episode only about the e-commerce industry again. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, <laughs> that would that, that be great. And you know, Tom, great meeting you in bar. I can't tell you how much I appreciate all the work and the energy you bring to um, the CAT Association and especially AFU 669. Thank you. Thank you very much, Tom. Uh, just um, okay. two few words. Um, podcasts will be uploaded to Spotify, Apple Music, and we will advertise it through the AFU 669 marketing channels. If you want to get our newsletter, the podcast episode, or to get involved, please join our mailing list. Write us through our website at www.afu.com. 669.org and uh, thank you again thanks everyone IDC Radio 106.2 FM 106.2 FM